Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Okay, there we go. This seems like something's happening there. Oh, it looks like we're live on, on Blog Talk Radio. We were not live, we were even live. though we thought we were. Okay. Okay. Where are we live? We are live. And so um, with that, we are rolling into, you can go ahead and go live on social media. Moving forward in our sixth year, our sixth year of touching lives, reaching lives, changing lives, connecting with God's people, connecting with them, and bringing solutions to their problems, to their situations. I think what I love the most about Dr. Price being the solutionist and the solutionist is exactly that. How many times, how many places, how many people have said, wow, I just, I wanted to figure out the basics of my life and how you've taught us and you trained us that apostles and prophets are curers. Apostles bring cures. That tag team working together is unbelievable and cannot and should not be stopped as long as it's done the right way, which is why we have Price University, which is why we do the Paula Price Show, which is why we reach out to you every week and now a whole network Cuz Royal Network, because there is a lot of work to be done. I would say for sure we have job security as apostles and prophets. It's kind of like the police force saying, I wish all, all of the criminals would just go away. You would be out of a job. Your job is to suppress, arrest, destroy, break down, bring the peace, bring the peacemakers. But if all of your opposition was gone in a day, you would cease to be you would cease to be relevant, validated, or needed. And so we are here to learn how to push back the darkness, how to break down the network and the interconnections and the complexities of what the enemy has done. I love the Paula Price Show because Dr. Price comes every single week giving us a fresh word, not just a tirade, not just a rant, not just going off. Uh, about what's irritating her, but truly what is on the Lord's mind. <laughs> I talked about this on my broadcast. People just using their platform to just go clean up about whatever's driving them nuts. It's not helping anybody. It's just you and maybe the Amen Choir, but it's not solving anything. We are here to bring a solution to God's problems, a solution to what's going on in the kingdom, and now a solution, S-O-U-L, because we have too many broken down souls. In the kingdom, too many, too many in leadership, too many in the pews, and we can't help each other. It's for sure we cannot help the Lord. So as you can see here on the screen, coming this month, Dr. Price's newest book will be on the market, Devotions of a Saint, a short book on poetry. You're going to go behind the veil of Jesus is the sugar, where it all began. You know, I have to roll it out. This is my drama degree. 
where it all rolled out in the 1980s. There once was a woman. <laughs> Before she was the chief apostle, before she was Dr. Price, before she was Pastor Price. I know when somebody goes way back with Dr. Price because they call him Pastor Price. I said, oh, you're from Jersey. Okay. Before she was, you know how somebody, you know how far back they go by the nickname that they call you, that thing that only people called you up until high school, and as soon as you left home, you never let anybody know that was your nickname. Anyway, so it went back to her. Before any of those, when it was just she and Jesus. Now, it's still she and Jesus, but at least we all get to come along for the ride. She wrote this book of poetry, probably from the, uh, you know, your early stages of anything. Things are just untainted. They're pure. You haven't been through the warfare. Your eyes are like, yes, it's those I'm in love. You know, everything is just love. Love will conquer all. I'm in love with Jesus. And so this is the I'm in love with Jesus book before the warfare, before the trials, and before the ugliness of the church was a reality in our life. She wrote this book. Is that is that good? Is that close? Okay. And so you don't have to check because she's the author. She would know. I am just supposing I was not there. I always make a running joke when Dr. Price is talking about she started in ministry. I was in nursery school. <laughs> That's true. Ah, early 90s pre-K. Early 80s, I'm sorry, pre-K, early 90s high school, late 90s college. And so it's a running joke. And she's like, God burst me into ministry at this time. And I was like, I was just being born too <laughs> in the planet. And your staff literally had to grow up yeah. <laughs> to be ready for your ministry. Talk about waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. All right. And so that book is coming out this month. Be on the lookout for details of how you can get your hands on your copy. I know I will have mine and have the author sign it. My books are signed by Dr. Price. Don't play. She probably, she wrote in a book. I found, Rachel was here. I found in uh, some of the last books of storage and things to our lives that moved around so much in our previous years. And I've been looking for my original Prophet's Dictionary and Prophet's Handbook that Dr. Price had signed. I'm like, I need to find those books. She signed them, but there's something about the first one. You know, they scared you the most the first time you get them, especially when you don't know anything. <laughs> so she had signed it. And in my Prophet's Handbook, I think she wrote, this was in 2008. She wrote, uh, today, a lieutenant, 10 years from now, a general, and don't evade the process, basically. Stop trying to get out of the process in case you think we all came into this thing perfectly. I read that and screamed my head off, and Rachel was there. I was like, oh, my goodness, because 10 years later to the year, 2018, I was commissioned as an apostle. And I could not believe it because I thought, oh, I wonder what's going to happen in my life in 10 years. Well, how much can happen? I wonder what that means figuratively because everything is figurative until it becomes real. So I, I cherish those books, and she will be signing it with something. Okay, we have still up and running the Dating and, Mary, Dating and Mating Marriage Webinar as a solo or as a bundle for you online. You can go to Dr. Price's website. We also have the Soul of Success Heart Clinic. Now, if you go to the page where the Heart Clinic is, You'll see a host of webinars that are available, but you don't want to miss either one of those. If you were in a hot mess of a relationship, if you want to avoid a hot mess of a relationship, if you, want, if you are about to enter into marriage or you're considering somebody, 
okay, I've had prophecies, I've had prayer, is this really it, is this God? You want to purchase these and be able to watch them online because the wisdom and the insight pulls you out of your emotions, I just feel out of your impressions and really pushes you into what God is looking for and how to sift and sort when culture is speaking to you, even when the desires of other people's hearts are speaking to you. You don't even have to be a prophet to know that the pressure to be in a marriage or a dating relationship is astronomical in and out of the church. People want, when are you going to get married? And then when are you going to have kids? And this, this is the conversation. I, I saw a post somebody posted on one of my posts saying that they changed doctors because they were tired of their doctor asking them when they were going to get married and start having a family. Why are you asking me these questions? So we've crossed all kinds of barriers, all kinds of boundaries, and it's very hard to trust your own thoughts because you're not even sure what your thoughts are. Even the people you trust around you, may think they have your best interest at heart, but may not be thinking through God's mind. And these webinars are going to give you God's mind on it, culture's voice, how it shows up, false, sexified, she called it sexified prophecy. Come on. She can say it. I think she should write another dictionary. Oh, wait. Okay. Also, coming up, the first weekend in May, we will be in Alexandria, Virginia, with Unleashing Arrested Development Ministries, Prophet Lisa Thompson, on the Hard Reset 2019, Restoring the Original Order. This is also their seven-year anniversary. I tell you, that's the way to, that's, that's the way to celebrate bringing in Dr. Price on your anniversary. She's bringing the team with her, and we're going to be laying it down that weekend. Hard reset, hard reset. What I like about how we do things here is we don't just throw out a title, throw out a slogan, and then leave it. Now say it, but not explain it. How many people say it, say it, say it, paradigm shift, we paradigm shift, changing of the guard, changing of the guard, changing of the guard, changing of the guard. And then when the old guard starts falling and leaving and moving, that's not God, that's not God, that's not God, because we didn't even teach people what changing of the guard looks like in action. So we walk through hard reset every week it shows up, whether it's blatantly said or not, what this hard reset looks like. What does it look like in motion? What, in our company, we're going through a hard reset. Not to talk like that. <laughs> it's a hard reset around here. It's the Paul Price Enterprises. It's a hard reset in preparation for... What God is doing. Do you have to say it like that sometimes because people know? We don't escape it. One of the things that Dr. Price has said to us repeatedly, we are not escaping the hard reset. Many times you think because you're the one presenting the idea, presenting, being the mouthpiece of God, that that's it. I'm just a bullhorn. You know, I'm just a bullhorn. Just put me back on the shelf. It's like, no, no, no. No, no. If you're going to be out there taking the lead, then you will not be shelved and just say it and go. And so every single week we're talking in some way about what this hard reset looks like, confronting all of the sexuality perversion. That's part of the hard reset. Dealing with politics, what God is doing versus what we think he might should be doing. That's hard reset. Ourselves, our own soul sickness, that's part of the hard reset. Each and every one of these pieces, because, again, we're apostles, we're under apostles, we're apostolic Christians, so we don't have the luxury of just relying on church, home affairs. 
We are kingdom-minded, but we are kingdom-responsible. We have a responsibility to God's kingdom as his citizens and as his leaders to get it right. So when something's coming down the pipe, we're sending it down, as we've been authorized to do. Some things stay classified, other things are declassified, and then permeated in the body of Christ. As much as we want to know everything, just like our government, we want to explain the Constitution around when we want to know something, but there is information that should never, ever, ever hit the public. Why? Because, one, they can't handle it, there's nothing they can do about it, and our enemy is always watching. We act like what's released to us stays with us. Hello? The Internet. The enemy is watching. They are among us. We have double agents all over the place, citizens in cells and things hiding in plain sight. So gone are the days of us thinking that good old Americans are just out for good old American good. And likewise in the church. We have a lot of double agents in the church. Do fall child sin. Everybody. Wolf in sheep's clothing. We, how many announce? Look, how many, how many pictures and examples do we want to get? So we have a responsibility to be very circumspect in what we release. And not be so braggadocious. Yeah, God told me that. Yeah, God told me that. Yeah, God's telling me. Because we want to be the loudest ones on the microphone. It's not going to work. So Heart Reset 2019, you need to come to Alexandria, Virginia. You need to go to Eventbrite and key in Hard Reset for Virginia, for Alexandria. It'll pop right up, and you'll get your registration information. Again, Hard Reset 2019 on Eventbrite in Alexandria, Virginia. We will be there. I'm excited because, God, we had an amazing time the last time with Prophet Lisa. Prophet Lisa follows our ministry. She is faithful. She trains her people, keeps them on board, keeps them in the flow. And so when Dr. Preston... And she is a part of NEAR. And so when we come into a territory where Dr. Price's teachings have been established, whoo, it's like every, the roof is blown off. Yeah. And speaking of hard reset and training in Tulsa, June 19th through the 22nd, right here in T-Town, we have our annual Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, taking it to the next level, disrupting prophets of the pagan age, confronting the darkness. This is where we are. Our special guest lecturers and trainers are going to be teaching us about guardianship, how to guard. What are we guarding? How do you do that? What does it look like in action? So we have Prophet Hakeem and Prophet Naeem Collins coming, Jeff Sievers, Chief Prophet Tala Price, Dr. Paula Price, of course, will be the headliner for this event. So we have, I love artifacts. We have media. We have training, we have high intense worship, we have morning glory prayer, personal prophetic ministry, group activities, we, and ordination, let me not forget ordination and graduation of Price University in June, it's ordination graduation in November, it's commissioning, and we, I mean, when I tell you we get it all in, we get it all in. And we still find out ways to add more things. So you want to be here in June. This, this is not some circus. This is not antics. This is exactly what a lot of you have been praying for, solid, credible, prophetic training. You cannot get what you're looking for from the comforts of your home all the time. We have made a lot of things convenient. Even our online students come in Tulsa. Well, it's also part of their course requirements, but they come in Tulsa because that one-on-one training, that face-to-face training cannot be substituted for anything else, which is why when you go to a certain level, in order to go the rest of the way, you have to show up. 
You would say, oh, no, we have to go. We have to show up. Anybody who's had higher education knows that. You have required times and required trainings, and you have optional ones, but the higher up you go, the fewer options you have and the more mandates you have. It's called mandatory. <laughs> mandatory training, right? On your job, mandatory training. It's your day off. It is your day off, and that's when they schedule mandatory training. And guess what it means? Mm-hmm. You don't have a day off. <laughs> And so we have this. We want you to show up. Bring your teams. Bring your intercessors. Bring your prophets. If you are an apostle, you need to show up. Apostles and prophets working together uh, to see, but also getting the news. What is God doing in his kingdom? I can't understand apostles who don't want to be around prophets, at least the credible ones, you know, to see extra, extra. What's coming down the pike? What's the strategy? Where's God moving? How do we take this to the next level? That's what we do here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Everything with Dr. Price is next level. And it's like next level for real. You're my, her opening session. Now, I'm going to do this because this is always my running joke. Her opening session with her title slot has you writing five pages of notes. Five pages of notes. And then she'll say, okay, so now we're going to get into the reason we came. You're like, what? This wasn't the reason we came. I am already inundated with information, yes. But we have a training program. We have a schedule. You have lessons. The teachers have syllabi that they have to follow, lesson plans that they have to prepare. So you're not coming here for people to just shoot from the hip prophetically and everybody kind of almost saying the same thing or prophesying all over each other. By the time you leave, you're still not sure what God said. That's not why we're here. That is not why we are here. That might be somebody else's thing. More power to them. But this is why we are here. We have Price University. We are an academic institution. We are called to those who want to do something about God's problems. They want to be a part of his solution. That's why we are here, for the people who want to be a part of his solution, the people who want to know how to pray about it, how, how to take a class maybe, how to support somebody else who's doing it. Maybe it's not your assignment to actually pick up the torch and run with it. Maybe it's not your mantle. Maybe it's not your calling. But it might be you. You might be assigned to someone who is, and don't you want to know what they're doing? I mean, our people come because they're like, we're under an amazing woman of God. How do you think? <laughs> What's about to happen to us? So plug in. Don't be passive. Don't be passive. And this is my hot button. Don't allow social media to lull you into a false sense of action and activity because you are following a lot of people. You're actually not following anybody. You're watching a lot of people. Some people, yes, 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 this one. Yes, 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 that one. And taking no action behind anybody. So this is the year to really be active. We're talking about activation. Don't get me started on activation. How about get active? Be active with your activation. Act on it. Not just run up to the first person you see prophesying. Take action with that activation. I'm done. See, I'll talk about that forever. Okay. And then we have our audio archive of the week. Actually, it is the evil eye envy and the evil eye part two. So part two has the Q&A. Dr. Price concludes her training portion of the first section. Q&A addressed the origins of Jesus Christ. Somebody asked a question about Cain and why his sacrifice to the Lord was rejected and why that did equate to uh, worshiping the earth and the planet and all that kind of thing. Let me see. What other questions did she have? She made this statement about 
how uh, being envious is counting God unfaithful to you because you're envying somebody else is saying that he wasn't faithful to you. Well, so-and-so is better than me because of, and they just blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm in my office. And everybody's like, what do you listen to? Dr. Price <laughs> laying it down. And so she continues to break down envy and the evil eye. I challenge every single one of you to get that. Get part one now. Part two will be available this afternoon. You want to get those lessons and the other ones from the audio archives. They are converted cassette tapes, analog. You're going to hear the crackle. You're going to hear the snow, the white noise. You're going to hear all those things. But I tell you what else you're going to hear? Some priceless wisdom. Because I, I was delivered today like I didn't hear it then. And that was a long time ago. I've listened and had a lot of life since then. Needed it. Needed it. Needed it. So for those of you who have been saying, when are you going to put something new out there? There's something new out there. Check us out. Check out our assessment. Listen to me. If you have not taken an assessment, I challenge you to do it this weekend. We have standardized ministry assessments. The minister's assessment questionnaire for the fivefold and the prophetic aptitude questionnaire are online right now. We always tell people, take the MAQ first. Take the one about ministry. Find out where do you fall in the fivefold, which are dominant. Some people are chasing the office of the prophet, and they're prophetic, but they're not in the office of the prophet. You might be a prophetic teacher and not a teaching prophet. Don't you want to know the difference between the two? So you are pursuing and training in the right way. Then you can stop being mad at God for doors not opening for you. You might be chasing the wrong thing. Might be, And it might have been a prophecy that somebody gave you, but they were seeing the prophetic on you, but it doesn't mean that you're walking in the office. It could be your gift, your supporting gift of your dominant office. It's very um, involved and very comprehensive results. So I want you to go, you can go to Dr. Price's website, www.drpaulaaprice.com, and click on Take an Assessment, that option. Uh, and it will take you to the site where you will go to our Success Center, and you can see the options for taking the assessments. Read up on them. We have a video or two online also explaining them. And it will take your understanding of who you are to the next level. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste any time in finding my identity. Now, I know some of you have been spinning your wheels for 10, 20 years and not really getting any traction. And the assessment will really help you get that traction, tell you how much training you need, how much prep time you need, and how we can help you get there. Did you have fun? I did. Well, I've been trying to get us to get all of this stuff out in one fell swoop. And you know what? You're proving to be... A fairly good announcer. Why, thank you. Another one of your talents. Thanks. All that education. Hang yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? If you don't have to pay the debt, you ought to also be good at the education. Praise God. In the match. Well, you know, um, are you, are you, are you ready? Do you want to say something else? And now, and now we bring to the show she our one and only. Guys, I promise you she can't help it. She asked me if I had something else to say. <laughs> Dr. Paula Price. Wonderful. Have you realized how long we have worked together? Yes. I liked you telling the story that I kind of told you before you knew anything. Mm -hmm. You know, she was a, a you know, wide-eyed AG girl, come from a great AG church. One of the things I knew about her was that, prophetic or not, she came from a good church. And I told her that. that yeah. Oh, no, you came from a good church. Yeah. You can tell people who come from a good church. Versus people who come from a messy church. Mm. You know, we got a lot of churches that are not Christian. 
And so I said, but no, you came from a good church and loving on the Lord. And I mean, this, she just was a good Christian girl. And then I decided to um, upgrade her. That's a good word. <laughs> upgrade. I decided to upgrade her because she needed to be upgraded. And when we did, and so when I upgraded her, she um, became a prophet and did not know what that was. But she was a little slow. You know, I always like to tell the story. When we get more time, we'll talk about it. But one thing I will say about her is that she, this is one woman who just loves serving God. I told her, I said, I had a lot of people that I've developed over the years. I've rarely met anybody coming up in God in ministry who loved it and wanted to do it. I was so sick of people telling me about he snatched me, he kidnapped me, he hijacked my life, he just, I didn't ask for it, he's making me do it. I was like, are you kidding me? There are a lot of those prophets in the Bible that were happy. As a matter of fact, the one who complained about it most outside of Jeremiah seems to have been Amos. And he wasn't a prophet. He was sent on a message. He said, I was no prophet. I was not the son of a prophet. I just was plowing my field, and this man just yanked me up. And I told God that I was, I said to God once, I said, even in starting ministry, I always have people who didn't want to do it. And so I can't stop. I can't act like he didn't call you. So I've got to do it in this moment and groaning and complaining and criticizing and all of that kind of I was like, y'all act like God's not God. And like, you know, you had a better path for your life. And so I meet her, and I have to tell you, it was just a pleasure to mention her because I met somebody who wanted to do it, who thought God was worth it, who felt that it was an honor to be chosen by the Most High God. Now, I don't know where all of her other comrades were with that mentality, but I'll tell you what, it was a pleasure. And as a, as a, a, a woman who has been responsible for dozens and dozens of people getting into purpose and, and whatever, it just it blessed my heart. You know, I would start talking to her, and she was like, okay, wait a minute, i got to get my pad, got to get my journal, I want to remember this. And so we did that for years. And I, so I said to God when he said, okay, I'm, I'm ready to ordain Ashley as a, a prophet. I was like, really? Because she wasn't one of those run up on you prophesiers. You know, when you got a prophecy from her, it was going to be two steps from Morse code. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was dot, dot, dash, dot, dash, dash, dot. So I really said, and, and, and she was such a good mentee, meaning she was such a great listener, that I would have to pull out of her what God was saying. And when I would ask her, she'd be right on it. I said, but, and so I go to God, and I said, you know, God, like, I really like her. She's nice. She's good. Uh, she's a blessing to me. I said, but God, she doesn't flow like other prophets. And he said, that's because she's an apostle. I said, oh, okay, now, now I can get with her. I can work with her, you know, because everybody else was flowing and flowing. I mean, I could have to get a half a sentence out, and they're going to pick it up and run with it down the road. Not her. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm right. You see her? She does it today. She's been doing that for years. So I appreciated her, and I appreciated her as a type and as a model of someone who will yield to God without criticism, without negativity, without angst, without resentment and bitterness or rivalry. And so she said, Jesus wanted to be a prophet. So I said, well, good. We made her a prophet. I think I told you, first thing I did, first thing she did is went online, Facebook. Hey, Facebook, I'm a prophet. I am now Prophet Ashley Clayton. 
Everybody else still don't use their titles in public. They kind of like want it at home in church, but they don't want it outside. And so, and, 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 but this is back in that era, not today, obviously, thank God. But, you know, she was leaping for everything God gave her. If I said, God said you have the power of, like Ashley, as, as a prophet, one of the things that stuck out to me is her amazing internal clock. She has an internal clock that's going to, I mean, we'll drive. Yeah, well, we'll get there about six hours and maybe, I don't know, about six hours, 20 minutes, 22 minutes. And we've been rolling it. And so I began to realize that because in my development of ministers, I want to see your faculties. I don't just give up your anointing. Your anointing may come, may go, and if God get mad with you, well, that's gone. But I wanted to see, I'd like to see my mentees' faculties. What powers is God allowing you to have? What powers is he imposing or activate? I want to know. When people say activate, nobody ever asks these activators what they activate so you walk around and I, first of all, I don't have to activate because if I, my education program works, then that's the last thing I got to do. I leave that up to the Holy Ghost because activate means put into active service. And so to walk around and, and, and be all activated and go back to work and still be the clerk and the janitor is not impressive to me. And somehow or another, something's gotten lost in that translation. But nonetheless, so I would watch her and I say, huh. I said, do you know that you are a timepiece and a timing chain for the Holy Ghost? And I mean she is. It took a long time for the others to see it, but I know it. Because I said to you last week, your mentor needs to know what's gestating in you. So then she would do that. I would have other prophets, like I would talk to Prophet Adin. I said, but you realize that you really have a, a mantle, not just a word or a method, but a mantle for this generation. I want to know what that faculty is. I need to know how God is using you and how God is 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 exercising his prophetic office through you. Oh, so it's everybody hear me. See, because God is exercising and discharging the Lord Jesus' prophetic office through his messengers in every generation. So I want to know that. I don't want to just hear you prophesy. I don't care about that. Holy Ghost, talk to a donkey. Talk to a donkey. Jesus said, I can have rocks talk to me. I don't need y'all. I can have some rocks. I got rocks. Plenty of them. And so I love it. What I also appreciated was, you know, how my daughter's mantle would compliment me as an apostle. I mean, that girl fell in line with that thing. You ought to get her teaching, finding your silence. So I'm looking. I'm looking not just for anointing. I'm looking for attributes, aptitudes, talents. I'm looking for a whole lot more than a 20-second message. Because the prophets of the scripture had a whole lot more. But most of all, I'm looking for cooperativeness. And many people are uncooperative when it comes to church, especially when it comes to church. Break your neck for a, a secular university and give God a headache. So I enjoyed it. And, and what I've learned watching her was the more she enjoyed what God did, the more he keeps heaping on her. Like, he's like, well, if she likes that, I'm going to give her this. <laughs> well, if she likes that, well, I'm going to give her this. And she never trifled or trivialized God's endowment and endowment in her life because we get both. We get endowment and we get endowment. And so she never did. So then she goes and we, we finished this, um, um, the apostles' class, and I had her finish it with, while she had to do 14 other things. Because I thought, if you're going to stand by me, you need to be good. See, I don't, I don't let mess stand by me. I will just ignore you. 
I will kiss you, hug you, and leave you alone. Visit you. We have coffee. It's wonderful. My people in this audience are telling I will not work with difficulty any longer. I'm too, I'm too old. I am not 30, 40 years old. I don't want to wrestle with you. I don't want to scuffle with you for your destiny. If it doesn't mean anything to you, then I'm not going to let it weigh on me. And so I was excited, and I just stopped talking. I mean, truly, when, we think, when you think about it, my folks will tell you, I just, I, I, we, we talk about everything but ministry, everything but your calling, everything but your, your I don't talk about anything that's tied to your destiny, because if, if it doesn't matter to you, I'm not wasting my time. And I think a lot more mentors need to take that posture and stop trying to spoon feed rebellious people who don't want it. If they won't scrap for it, why are you scrapping with them? Because if it means more to me than it does to you, then I'm going to keep it. Because I'm there. I got what I need. And some of you all, you all have been giving your mentors, I don't know, for two weeks, God, I was talking about you giving your mentors a fit. You're arrogant. You're obnoxious. You're no-shows. You come late. You have to. You're fussing all the time. You're only there to stand out front. You're, you, you give all the grunt work to somebody else. You don't, you don't act as if you have a destiny in God and that this person is to see to it that you arrive and excel. So I would say to some of you all mentors, you may need to cut off something. Your heart reset may be to reshuffle your mentee class. I don't, you know, now when folks start running off their mouth and telling me all of their greatness, I figure if you don't need me to look up your greatness, greatness, I'm not going to trust you because everybody loves themselves. We're all going to speak good of ourselves. But some of you, I'm talking to mentees today. I'm telling you, I'm going to shift to another subject. I told you I would. But I want to give a word to you mentees. Stop mistreating your mentors if they're not good enough for your respect, if they're not good enough for your cooperation, if they're not worthy of your submission, then leave them alone and let somebody else get in that spot. That's why I choose my mentee. Don't come and tell me that I'm going to mentor you. I don't know you. And I don't know how you're going to treat me. You might treat me and my training bad. So I don't know you. So don't tell me. I'm going to tell you. And I will tell everybody who I've ever said, but you're in my gut, they have excelled. They've all risen to the top. Everyone. Because when I meet them, I say, I know whether or not you're in me. I don't know. It's my body, my spirit, my soul. And I'll say to them, but you know what? You belong to me. And you're going to be with me. And some of of them get a little arrogant. When they do, I just walk away because time tells all truth. And so I just walk away. But I know those that are mine. Just like the Bible said, the Lord knows those that are his. He knows what's inside him, and he knows what's outside of him striving with him. He's very clear on that. So when I have to tell, call you three or four times, and I don't do that. I promise you. I used to because when you're young, you're just hoping somebody likes you. But now I like me. And that's a good start. Jesus likes me. That's another good start, isn't it? So I don't fight with, I don't want to fight with mentees who think they're better than me, because if you are, go do what I'm doing on your dime and your time. I'm not going to fight with you here today, gone tomorrow, I'm up today, down tomorrow. I don't know which poll is going to talk to me on what day. I don't, I'm not sure if poll A, poll B, or Manic is talking, I don't know. But I know that if you don't want to get, see, I can, I've delivered people from that. But if you don't want to go the distance, then that's it. But you have to earn our time. And some of you all, you're too accessible to your mentors, your mentees. You got on the phone with them all night long. I ain't doing that. Are you kidding me? No, because then you'll misunderstand the relationship. My, my mentees don't even have my personal number. You better call that office or call my assistant. 
Because what people don't have to strike for, they don't respect. You're sitting out and dinner with them too much. You're hanging out with them. You're over there. you babysitting for them. Are you kidding me, babysitting? Oh, Jesus, let me hear something. I am not your girlfriend, and I don't want to be your girlfriend. And it took, I'm telling you, it took Ashley all of 12 years before I trusted her as a friend. We still working through girlfriends. Your mentor should not be your friend, your girlfriend, your buddy, your pal, and all of that kind of stuff because innately you diminish those people, which means at some point you will diminish what they have to say. So, no, you're not going to be my equal. No, I pick my equals, and you're not it. And so some of you are, I'm telling you, because some of you mentors, I'm giving you instructions from the Holy Ghost. You're too friendly. You're too familiar. You're too much into their life, and they hear your voice much too much. People hear your voice too often, it turns into white noise, and they disrespect you. And, I, and, and they'll tell you, I'm a lot of fun. We have fun when we're in sessions together and carrying them, but guess what you're going to do? You're going to deliver for me. If you miss assignments, you miss too many, I'm through. I don't even tell you you miss. I just go in my little records and say, okay, com- no, incomplete, oh, pro- okay. Because I'm not, I'm not here to raise failures. I'm not here to raise a dropout. I'm not here to raise fallouts, passouts, layouts, can't get up. I'm not here for that. I'm here to provide the Lord literally a body of ministers fit for the master's use, fit, equipped, armed, and as far as Satan's concerned, dangerous. So all of that stuff that people do, and you all, uh-uh, no, mm-mm, I don't do it. And if you want, to, if you may not have the numbers, but you'll have the quality. You'll have the best, because there are a lot more people who need to be led than there are who are capable of leading. And that's the way God set it up. I hope this is speaking to you. I hope you all are hearing me. Because, see, you need to understand that as long as it took me to get here, I'm not going to let somebody run up on my front, down my back. No, we're going to do this on time. If you don't want me to speak, I will sit in your presence for seven hours and not open my mouth. I will talk in tongues, play my games, write on something. You think I'm taking notes. Uh Uh-uh. I need the best. And we need to stop as the church of Jesus Christ letting anything come in, messy come in and take over the place of the best. No, I need the best. And, and the best comes through the press. And the harder it is, and the more you push, when it gets hard, the stronger you get. You be it, God knows he can rely on you to take out this level of devil, this level of problem, handle this trend, the best. I mean the best. People tell me, well, you know, I mean, because, you know, I got a backache. Folks don't know. I walked around nearly fighting crippling, being crippled. I walked around fighting it, and I still deliver it. Most of the things that, uh, that I have gone through, my sheep don't know. And you know why? They only, need, they only need to know the mentor. That's what they need to know. Somebody else needs to know the warrior. Someone else needs to know, oh, y'all, I don't do it. I just really, I don't know who you are today. But God is saying, if you change your ways, I'll start sending people that are useful to you and that you can make fit for duty, because we don't use that phrase any longer, fit for duty. We don't. And so people are unfit for duty in so many ways. But I don't, I don't play with it. If you're serious, I don't intend not to chase you. I won't pick up the phone to call you to tell you where you ought to be. That's your job. 
That is not my job. I'm not calling you. And half of you all know that, don't you? I won't call. I won't. I will never ask a homework assignment, ever. I just never will. I'll tell you when it's due, and it's up to you to prove that you can meet the date. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not chasing you to do so-and-so. And if you don't do it well, I'm going to hack it so badly, you'll never give me anything else that is not, not there because I'm going to tear it up. And you know why? Because I'm, I'm not in existence for those who won't or can't. I'm in existence for those who can and will. See, I'm clear on my target, and I'm clear on the objects of my expertise. And not everybody's worthy of it. Some of you all, you've been out here a long time. You've studied art. You've got degrees. You've done a whole lot. But you know what you haven't done is you haven't distanced yourself from those that you are to transform. You've just not done it. You're all in their faith, and if they say they're going to buy you dinner, I used to tell people, no, I'm not singing for my supper. If you want me to go out, I'm not singing. I ain't prophesying for my dinner. I choose that. I choose that. Now, if, if we go out under one thing, as long as we're not going out under false pretenses, we'll eat, we'll have fun. If the Lord moves, then the Lord moves. If not, if you're calling me out for, if taking me out for a word, let's be clear. You're calling my consultation, my consultancy into action for you. I'm okay. But I won't be a manipulator. I just won't do it because I think what God has done in me is superior. I think what God has done with somebody who was nothing and nobody and make is superior. And it's too. And when things are superior, they should not be wasted on the inferior. They're deliberately, willfully inferior. It took a long time for me to even bless God. He said, "So you're gonna give you went, you're gonna give all that away for who?" And you're going to let me know, I won't do it. And I, I'm so glad. My last birthday was wonderful for me. 60 was the best decade in my life. It was really great. You're going to love 60. Don't let the devil lie to you. You will love 60, especially if you keep yourself healthy. <laughs> if you don't, it's kind of not so much. But you're going to love 60. And the reason is because you got nothing to prove. And everything that you haven't proven by now cannot be proven because you're pretty much a, a, a consolidated, very firm, very hard, developed being. So I'm excited about that. Like all of that stuff, I don't know. I live for Jesus because I like Jesus. How about this? You don't live for Jesus because you don't like him. Because when you like somebody, you change yourself to please them, to fit them, to accommodate the relationship you want with them. I was listening to a song this morning that came down on the Amazon, and they were like, you never left me. I ashamed you. I embarrassed you. I treated you terribly, and you never left me. And I, I said to God, that's the loudest song I've heard in a long time. <laughs> I said, and this is, the, I mean, that is an abuser's lyrics. And you are a God abuser. You're a Messiah abuser. You Messiah, you live to abuse him and because you know he's not going to quit you, let you go. Are you kidding me? You can't get away with that in no relationship. Baby, I just love you even if I stomp you. Baby, I just love you even if I rob you. Baby, you just know I love you and you just keep taking me back even though I treat you like trash. I just love you because you just, and I know you're just going to take me back and I just want to thank you. Not one lyric in that song was to God's favor. Not one. And I said, God, that's the consciousness of the church. You act like you're beating on a brick wall. 
See, that kind of stuff, crazy. I can't roll with that. And I'm, now I'm okay with saying no, no, mm-mm. Like, uh, mm-mm. They have to sing the right songs. My folk can't bring me the wrong song. They brought me one song. It sounded really nice. had this nice little hook on it. I said, I don't like that song. That's a dirt. This one and I'm listening to, you know what? And our people, African-American, we sing way too many dirges. We act like we're still on a plantation. Okay? Like God didn't set us free. Are you kidding? I'm talking just this, man. You sing that kind of dirge to your fiance, your wife or husband, you're going to be pretty soon not married because they're going to say you're too depressing. And we sing way too many depressing songs. They're depressing. I know that they tell me once um, Fred Hammond or one of them said it, and the body of Christ kicked back. Don't kick back. Just listen to your own lyrics. You don't have to kick back on me. Listen to it. That stuff is, is we put now is ready for a psychologist count. That, that stuff is therapy. Are you kidding? That shows you need therapy. There's nothing healing, nothing restorative, nothing upbeat. That's how, that's how far we are from Jesus Christ, the true Christ. We sing into somebody we done beat down, kicked to the curb, trampled underfoot, ignored, embarrassed in public, talking about, and you just never let me go. Are you kidding me? The only reason he didn't let you go is because he doesn't want you to go to hell, not because he likes what you're saying. He just doesn't want you to go to hell. And so he's going to give you a next couple of decades, decades, hopefully, to clean up your act and start singing about, I no longer treat him like that. I no longer, not, not one song committed to treating God right. All of them was about, yeah, no matter how bad you treat him, no matter how horrible you embarrass him, he's he going to suck it up because he's God. Shame on you. Shame on you. And you all buying those little tragedy songs. Pitiful little lyrics. And you spend all that money. We got they get double wars and stellar wars on what? Depression dirt. These are depressing dirt. D I R G E, just in case you want to look it up. I don't buy I will not I don't buy those sad sack songs. Those are pitiful little lyrics. And every time you turn around, God's the loser and you're the abuser. I'm praying. I decree and declare. There will be worship leaders who are going to sing God's joy, and they're going to sing his glory around the world, all nations, all people, every kindred, every tribe, every tongue. And they're not going to sing pitiful little dirges and their little dirty little testimonies wrapped up in a so-called worship song. No, we're not doing that. We are treating our king like that. And I issue this edict in the heavens, and I issue it throughout the earth, and I commission every angel assigned to my voice to see to it that those nasty little depressing little songs don't make the top 10, don't make the top 100, don't make a hit. Let them stay in the trash, stay in the studio, stay in the graves where they belong. That is a horrible thing. I'm tired, little song. I'm so sick of them little, little please. And then, uh, come on, that's, and you, you, you singing that about Jesus and the world singing it about the person that they just messed over. And there is no difference. But see, mentoring, see, you mentoring, and you got all of these, uh, so many of these mentors, they're so glad for your success and so glad to get in your pockets, they don't care that you're out of God. I need you in God. I need the Lord relying on you. To pull people out of darkness. How are you going to pull somebody out of darkness and all you sing is dark ditty? Hi. We could, wait, hold on. I got some. Boom. 
because I issued an edict. Let it be. In Jesus' name, let it be. I need my horn. Got to get a horn. I'm going to get me a nice little silver trumpet. I can't, come on, it's going to be wonderful. All notes all cracked up. Y'all going to love it. It'll be great. And, you know, because it's up to us. Apostles are supposed to make sure that we don't let the body of Christ get away with giving God trash and being rewarded for it. We, we, that's our job. Our job is to make sure that we turn you from darkness to light. And those people writing those songs have not been turned from darkness. They can't, because when you write in the light, if you, I mean, you could be depressed. Honey, you go and spend a week in the sunshine. You're going to come back all lighthearted, and that, that vitamin D is going to do you good. It's be great. Hmm. Isn't it wonderful? Now, you all remember that we told you, she already talked to you, so I'm saying, right here, buy yours now. Get this week's teaching during the show, right now. Go and get your archive of the week. Click in there and get it. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to love it. Isn't it interesting? Woo! I done worked up fire. I do. I like mentees. I love mentoring. You know, I, I really do. And I'm okay if I don't mentor 5,000 people at once. I'm probably going to overlook some anyway, so that's not going to be good. My books can mentor hundreds of thousands and have. But personally, mm-mm. because, see, I need to draw from my mentees. Too. I know you thought I was done, didn't you? But I am not. I am not. But I, I, I pull them close to me. They don't push into my sphere. I have to trust them, and I have to trust that they will treat my emotions right, they will treat my history right, they will treat my destiny right, that they will treat my expertise with respect and conformity. I need that. Otherwise... I'm okay. So, you know, I'm having fun now because I'm on my second string here. I'm having fun with the second string. It's it's just marvelous. But I need you to do it. And I can't have you, every time we turn around, you got an excuse. I can't do this. I can't do that. You know, the computer. Are you kidding? Ministry is working out problems. So the last thing I'm going to let you slide with is excuses. I don't care about your excuses. Fix it. Fix it. Be powerful. Be good at what you do. Be in control. Rule your sphere. So they know that. And, and so people say, man, I really like your people because I never pet them. I did not pet my people, and I didn't pet their devils. Hallelujah. I did not pet the devils. And they will tell you, if you ever talk to them, they will tell you, you can't come to me in weakness like that because I'm going to tell you go find some strength or sit down here and let me give you some strength. And you're going to be good at what you do. And you know why? Because I know God gives strength for strength. He said they go from faith to faith and strength to strength. So God will bring you to the place of his strength. It's okay that we start out weak. We just ought not to be so comfortable with weak that we never grow strong. And people who give a lot of excuses and over-explain don't ever get strong. They will wrestle with those same issues all their days because you need to defeat your adversary. And the first one you need to defeat are your own flaws and faults. They happen. We got them. We got them. But if, and when you give them to God and then ask God to exchange them with his strength, 
then you need to, and he does it, don't ask him to do it for a single incident. Because, see, he's not going to let you pick and choose when to draw on his strength. You're going to have to give yourself, literally give yourself to his solution. You're going to have to commit the rest of your days to his solution, which means, okay, God, Lord, I can't get out of bed. Uh, and so he gives you a day, you get up, and then after that, you, have, you want to stay home tomorrow so you don't. And then the next week, you want to do right again. And then the week after, you don't. See, then God's going to, right now, he's going to say that that's fickle and foolhardy. So every time I got a power, every time I got a strength, every time I got an ability, I had to commit my, my, the rest of my life to it. That's why people don't ask God to make them strong, because they want that thing to be incidental. They want to come to his warehouse, pick it off the shelf, use it up, and make up their mind when they want to come again. He never let me do that. And he'll say to me, so are we going to distance or not? Okay, Jesus, we're going to distance. And you know what? When I say that, sometimes I'm so, I'm so nervous. I'm like, God, all right, Lord, I don't know. Ooh, Jesus. But I'm telling you, every step of the way, writing, oh, I used to cry. Man, I cried so hard when he made me write stuff. I used to literally cry like a baby. And then I was a brat. I whined. And then after that, my head hurt. It was terrible. I was an embarrassing mess to myself. And I didn't even have sense enough to be ashamed to let the Holy Ghost to see me like that. And he would let me pout and cry. And then when he got sick of it, he said, look, am I going to use you to do this or not? Okay. I'm, I'm going to do it, Jesus. But it's hard. It's all hard. God, my head, my head, even my head. Oh, God. He said, when you stop having a tantrum, I'll help you get through it. That hurt my feelings. I wasn't having a tantrum. I was being genuinely honest with him. It was hard, and I was struggling and suffering. But he called it a tantrum. I said, well, I don't have tantrum because, you know, then my pride kicked up. You know, and that's why you're the word. You can find out what kicks up what. And so I said, did you just? He called me lazy. He called me slothful. He told me I was self-indulgent. He said I was hot-headed and obstinate. Now, this is all within a 10-year period of time. I woke up one day and said, I don't think you like me. (laughs) I'm convinced you don't like me. Forget love. I know you don't like me. So then he said, he took me to the Bible that he loves all of his children. I said, well, then you don't like me for real. You may love me, but you don't like me. But he made me walk through it. I'll never forget that there's a scripture that set my soul free because every soul needs that one word that says, he said, if you faint in the day of adversity, it's because your strength is small. Well, who in the world want to stand with God talking about I got small strength? <laughs> I had to go find some strength. And so through prayer and intercession, feasting on the word. Like I had to put, because the word has to rewrite you. It has to rescript you from failure to victory to success. You just can't think victory. You know, we could think victorious thoughts all day long, and our arm is like, I ain't going. I don't get what you say. You can quote scripture to me all day long. Your body like, I'm not moving. <laughs> Because there has to be the prayer, the intercession, the deliverance, the healing, and these all work on one thing, a desire to delight the Lord. You have to want God to win. 
You've got to want God to have what he needs. You've got to want to not deprive God of you and what he's built you for and what you've done. All of those things. And I do it today. If I feel like God wants me to do something in my flesh and my historical soul is trying to say, we're not doing it, the first thing I'll stop, I pray. You know what I say? God, thank you for doing this. Thank you for calling me to do this. Thank you for building me to do it. Thank you, God, for helping. God, it's a wonderful thing to do this for you. I am so happy you chose me. God, I'm really, really Thank you for not giving this to someone else. I get an opportunity to please you one more time. I get an opportunity to show you all. I get an opportunity to show hell and devils how awesome you are, how powerful you are. And I will walk my floor and do that to that spirit of resistance and resentment. Get out. And I'm talking to my own soul, and my soul is gobbling it up because I've trained it to gobble up God. So it's gobbling it up. And I walk and talk that. That's why they ask me, how do you do it? I just, because I, I don't tell them that I'm not doing it. And I don't tell them that he has no right to ask me. And I don't embarrass myself by trying to say that I can't do it, what, he, what he's called me to do, because I know the call comes with equipment. Now, there are times God tenders you offers, and then there are times that he expects you to draw on all that he has been unleashing in you by the rivers of water that he put in. So I tell him, I, when I know, I, I say, ooh, and if I get crazy, I say, please forgive me, Jesus. Uh, thank you, sweetheart. I just appreciate you for calling me and to do this. God, I'm telling you, I'm, I, I am your handiwork. I'm not just your handmaiden. I'm your handiwork. See, because sometimes we're the handmaiden. We think we're a little fixture. We just sit there on the table like a little person. And I, I'm telling you, and I tell you, you deserve this, God. You are worthy of not just only my praise, but my labor. You're worthy of my effort. You're worthy of my excellence. You're worthy of my, I expect you to do, God, I'm doing this. I don't care what, I don't care what you have to do. I'm telling you, I'm going to give you this. And I give it to him. That's why he keeps coming back. So I've become one of his go-to. See, not a lot of saints are Jesus' go-to. He can't go to you for stuff that's important because you're going to give him a thousand excuses and reasons and you're going to feel sorry for yourself. You're going to live in pity city on the highway of pathetic and embarrassed. Now, I don't, and I had to learn that. And I, he said, so I'm not worth it to you? Yeah, you know, my little home, Jesus, you know, yeah. And then from then on, he said, then tell me that you thank me for choosing you because I had a lot of choices, but I chose you. And then when it's hard, we act like it's punishment. Not pro- not a project, not not potential. It's punishment. I said, "Are you kidding me?" Oh, and so and here's God. God, everything about Jesus comes with a complex. It comes as a complex. It's a network of things. So you're excited that He gives you ability to write, and then when you start playing around with other stuff, you realize that that came with a whole host of other things. Oh, well, I like this. I like that, and I pay attention. See, the devil's not going to talk me out of God's superiority. He talks y'all out because he'll sit there and say things like, yeah, well, you know, you probably had that all your days. It, I may have had it, but it wasn't working. Now God brought it into his service. It's working. It's in, it, he put it in commission for him. And so I just, when he said write books, I just wrote books. Oh, my, and when I had to research, there was no Google. Google was probably still in the little kid's mouth. I had tables and tables of huge books 
like everybody, and I had to turn those pages, lift those books up, put the stick, and then put another book on the top of it, and then I need that answer, so I got to move all of this out of the way. It was very challenging. And you know what? But I kept thinking about how pleased he'd be and how many of his people would be blessed. And so I labored and did it. Back hurt, feet hurt, ankles swollen like little elephant trunks, hands not working, but I was committed to him getting it. And you know what? He rewarded me by, re- by reviving my body and rejuvenating me. See, some of the miracles you want, y'all ain't listening. God's like, well, I'm going to give you that miracle. You're not doing anything for me now. I'm barely able to get you to be somewhere on time. I can hardly get you to lift up your hands in church service. You see, people, the, the singers up there breaking their necks singing, and you standing there talking about how cool they, how cool it is that you don't have to be moved by what they said. God is like, they're not singing to a devil. They're not singing in the club. They're singing to me. Why aren't you caught up in the glory? You can't even get caught up in my glory, and you want me to do all of this and trust you with all of this? I can't trust you to lead people into my praise. I can't trust you to lead people to worship me. Because you don't worship me. you made up your mind to be unaffected by praise and worship. That's simple. That is simple. That's the first. Praise and worship is step 1.1, door one for God. If you can't worship God, you're not getting anything else from him. Everything that God does with you is part of a script that he made before the foundation of the world. If you do well, fine. And if you don't, well, he'll catch your fruit and still let you go on. People come to me, and, we, and even in our own church, I'm like, y'all don't even lift up your hands. You sit down on the Holy Ghost, and you want him to do what for you? Are you kidding me? You're too trifling to worship. You know you're too trifling to work. <laughs> Is that the truth? If you're too trifling to worship, you're too trifling to work. You can't dance. You can't work. No, because you're too cool. And if you're too cool for God... You too cool. You need to be in the freezer. Coffee? <laughs> and you look around, the people who don't worship are the people who are always in the counseling line and the prayer line because you want a free ride. You don't want to worship him? but you want to work it. Is that true? No. Mm-mm. So, And I pay attention. I look around because I know, and I'll tell them, you see that? You can't worship for your healing. You don't deserve it. You can't worship for your victory. You don't deserve it. You can't worship and praise the very power that you need to move on your behalf. You don't deserve it. I know y'all come from those churches where they're too cool for God. In my church, you better not be cooler than Jesus. You did not create ice. You ought not to be cool. (laughs) That's how I see it. And so when I see you, I go to churches and minister, and you got all, and and I mean, that praise and worship team is tanned up. It is amazing. And you got these whole cluster folks sitting down. When they get in the prayer line, I walk away. Now, if you're older, I'm assuming you're older and you're sitting down because you're old or if you're injured. But if you're just sitting down because you're too cool, uh-uh, I need you to go to the ice men coming because we ain't doing it. Mm-mm. 
No. Because that's why you say, I, I've been, I'm standing for God to, to I've been standing. First of all, you haven't been standing. You've been sitting. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get our words right. <laughs> you have to say, I've been sitting down on God for years, waiting for him to heal me. Oh, now that's more like the truth. I've been squatting on his praise. And I don't know why he won't heal. How about you? If nobody praises you, you aren't going to do it either. So I'm just want to, you know, I'm having fun. Yes. Having fun. Why? Because sometimes we just need to have these chats. I call these Holy Ghost chats. You're in the Holy Ghost chat room. We used to have those. I don't know what we got now. They passed so quickly. I was like, is it here? Is it gone? I'm not sure. But you're in his chat room. And you're sitting down listening to God, and he's just picking up topics and, and giving answers to all of those who are listening to me in this particular broadcast. Because some of you all, you, it may not be you, but it may be the other person. I get thousands of people listening to me in a week. So you better know there's going to be a whole bunch of different answers that the Lord's going to give. The next thing he wants to talk about is broken promises. Don't hold God to his promises if you don't keep yours. A lot of times you felt like you should have been healed or you shouldn't have had to go to the doctors or whatever. Keep your promises. Keep your Pay your vows to God and keep them because that's a start. And part of being good in Jesus Christ is just keeping your vows. Lord, I give my life to you. Then don't take it back. God, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Then do it. God, I promise you I'll be there for the saints. Then be there. See, a lot of times you don't, you don't really move God to supersede the law of Adam in your flesh. Is this good or what? To supersede the law of Adam in your flesh. You don't move him to do it. You still act like Adam did. Chasing devils. Eating from demonic trees literally allowing your wife to drag you around till she drags you to hell. Or your husband, because that's a two-way street. See, there you have to give God a reason to supersede the law of sin and death with his righteousness beyond the fact that you got saved, said the sinner's prayer 15 years ago. Some of you all have not given God a tithe since you've been saved, and you know what you say? Well, because I don't get no preaching no money. The Bible didn't say get a preaching your money. It said tithe unto the Lord. You don't tithe. And you want God to t- get the kids out of jail and get the son off drugs and get the daughter out the whorehouse and the other kid out the crack house and everybody else out of the stink house, and you like, are you kidding me? And you want him to get the devil out of your house. You don't tithe. That's, that's, that's just not going to happen. And, and God gives you a lot of years. Like, he'll give you three, five, ten years. But when he finally realizes that you aren't going to do it, the relationship of the, or, or the terms of that covenant, you change it. See, we change covenant clauses. God doesn't change it. We change the clauses of the covenant. If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, if thou wilt obey the voice of the Lord thy God, if thou wilt Follow the commandments of the Lord thy God. See, there's a whole lot of conditional things you don't do. 
and you want God to keep his covenant. The covenant is two-way. Two-way. You got a peace, God's got a peace. Well, I know a lot of churches where they teach the tithes out of God. The preacher may be living large because the preacher is collecting your offerings, uh, but you're not. See, it's not about what the preacher is living by not by preaching about tithing. It's about what you're experiencing. Because the preacher cannot violate the word of the Lord. God could care less about what these preachers are saying unless they're saying what he's saying. He doesn't care. And you think that he said, well, but yeah, but he got people in the church and they big. Well, unbelievers need a place to go to. And a lot of these congregations are filled with unbelievers, marginalists. And that's fine. God's got to give everybody some place to go. That's just God, because you act like he's only the God of the just. He's the God of the just and the unjust. He's the God of the quick and the dead. He's the God of the faithful and faithless. He's the God of the waster and what it destroys. He's God. He's, you know, we act like that, and I listen to people give all of these, I'm like, you do realize that he is the almighty God. He's not the some mighty God. He's not the part mighty God. He's not even a want to be mighty God. He's the almighty God. And the Lord our God is one. One Lord, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. So a lot of this stuff, you, you, when you hear your preacher say all of that, you have to ask yourself, how does this walk, work out in the entire creation scheme of the almighty? If God told Abraham, if God took Abraham's tithe, and Abraham knew to tithe, and then passed on tithing to Isaac and Jacob, who are the patriarchs before there was an Israel, ever, before there was an Israel. See, tithing predates Israel. Because Abraham, see, Abraham was not an Israelite, because they weren't born yet. So you listen to this, well, I know that the Bible says the tithing is under the law. You need to read your Bible, so you've been listening to somebody else's cliff notes. Because the, the tithing is not, did not originate under the law. It was actually a, 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 an ancient, uh, ancient world custom. Because remember, Abraham came from the Babylonians. And he knew that, that how you treat your God and how you entreat your God is to make sure that you gave that God something that you held more dear than anything else. And we know that where your heart is, there's your treasure. And where your treasure is, there's your heart. So all of you all who are not tithing because somebody told you tithing is under the law is wrong. Read your Bible. Abraham tithed when there was nobody but Abraham and Lot and Sarah. That's it. You want to know why your church is poor? Because you give your money to, to the credit card company. You tithe to them. As a matter of fact, you give them 90%, and you live off 10 That's why you're in debt. You give all of these creditors 90%, you live off 10 and then you give God an excuse. I know it. See, don't y'all just love me today? Y'all better love on me because you know what? There's a reason why God's saying that God only comes out strong like this when he knows something stronger is coming down the pike on your life. And he's trying to give you a reason for him to move on covenant or move on his promises or move on his vows. See, we've had this whole battle about tithing as if tithing began with Moses. It did not. 
and that as if tithing ended with Jesus. It did not. And so tithing began with Abraham, and it was collected by Melchizedek, and it's continuing even now, and it's still being collected by Melchizedek. Do you all like this? Are they flowing with me, Apostle? Oh, yeah. Are you all understanding this? See, y'all, you, you want to devour out of your house, and you haven't paid the protection money you need. Because the tithe protects you from the devourer. It protects you and your house from the devourer. It is not an offering. It is not a seed. It is protection money. And a lot of you all will not pay tithes and give a whole bunch of offerings and think God's going to use offering money as a tithe. He, he will not. He cannot. Because the offering money goes into Melchizedek's treasure, over whom Jesus Christ is the high priest. Your offering goes into the poverty thing. It goes into alms. Your offering goes into a lot of things. And God will, uh, and it'll go in as a seed. You know, you'll sow a seed for a harvest, and you'll get a, a monetary harvest and a domestic calamity. So they can't talk to me about tithing. Some of y'all, you're in those rich churches, and they don't make you tithe, and you're so happy that you don't have to take care of it until your business goes bust. Because God does not have to cover it. He doesn't have to protect your possessions simply because you give him offerings. He just needs to give you the return on that offering. Because the tithe is a war tax, and it's protection money. You know, I got to... Your kids should tithe. You want your children to go to college and get into good schools? Your kids should tithe. They should start tithing from the womb, and they should tithe as toddlers. They need to have their own tithe envelopes, etc. so that when, when they grow up and hell wants to come against them, they've got an inventory. They've got a reserve in God's treasury. And God doesn't need money, but he needs what, what you love the most, which is money. So he loves the lover of money. He needs that. He needs you because he knows for you to part with money without an immediate and obvious reward is hard, and only the faithful can do it. Only the faithful. Y'all flowing with me yet? You pay insurance on your car. You pay insurance on your life. Insurance on your family. You pay insurance on your appliances. You pay insurance on your technology. So don't say you don't understand the tithe. Because you do. The tithe is divine insurance. And then, uh, you know, I like the preachers to say, well, you just, you just tithe on your growth instead of your net. Are you kidding me? God does not, no, no, you got tithe on your net because you already paid tithe. Are you kidding me? He said all your increase. All your increase. All means all. That means every time you get more money or over what you should have had or what you would have had, you still pay tithe on it. All your increase. 
You cannot say to the insurance agency that you paid your policy premium and then the policy goes up and you said, but I paid that premium. Yeah, but now you got to pay the surplus on the increase. You can't increase your coverage and not pay extra. Well, I want to go from the the $300,000 package to the uh, half-million-dollar package. Well, good, that's great. And I already paid, I already paid for that. I already paid. Yeah, I know, but this is your extra. You want more increase. You want more covering. You want more protection. How about you just want to see that God makes it and God wins? You want to nickel and dime God. How trivial can you be? Flesh always wants to nickel and dime the Holy Ghost. Always. And so when you go and get a bigger house, and that you a bigger house, or you start getting more wealth in your life, you don't want to pay the tithes on that. Then God said, I'll cover you up to what's normal. Whatever that 10%. You used to me covering that little house, that's what I'm, you're going to get that kind of value. <clears throat> So I hope you all hear me, because some of you all, that's why your kid's in jail. That's why God didn't get them out. That's why I'm, so, you know, people don't tell you the truth. And you walk around, and you love on these lying ministers, and you pour all of your wealth on these lying ministers, and they make you believe a lie, and then you get mad when God sends Micaiah to tell you the truth. You want to put him in jail. He sends a Jeremiah, you ready to throw him in the sewer. You're going to ostracize Ezekiel because they are telling you what really is happening with God's mind. You need to catch up your tithes. And you, if you're in a church where they tell you you don't have to tithe, you don't have to listen, there's a whole lot of things come across the pulpit y'all don't listen to. We're used to that. <laughs> so you go, on, you go on and you pay your tithe because that is the protection money. That is the divine insurance that guarantees that even if the, the, the devourer comes, he will not destroy your home. You pull out your insurance policy. After God comes, what do you do? Pull out your insurance policy and say, I've been paying my premium, so y'all got to help me. And God doesn't even have all of the fine print they had to not pay you. He just says simply, make sure there's meat in my house. That's a big, because we think about that, and we think, well, meat, meat can't mean money. Yeah, well, you can't get meat today without money. Trust me. Ask the little Walmart. You got to have somebody got to do currency somewhere. And he said that there'll be meat. Nobody wants to bankrupt the house of God but the devil, because he's the one who needs the money. And so you have definitely made sure there's a lot of meat in his money through your hair, your nails, your car, your, your, your kids, the tuitions and counter. He got a lot of money. But what has God got? And yet you want to go to God, to the pastor who's barely making minimum wage because you won't tithe, and you need this pastor to break out and do stuff. So I can tell you right now, I don't know. I'll handle it when I get in eternity. I don't. So when we get in eternity, Jesus and I will sit down and we'll talk about that. Because so you're not going to hell because you don't pay tithes, but hell's going to stay with you. Don't they? Isn't that wonderful? Y'all still loving on me? Yay. Any questions on tithing or mentorship? I covered a lot of ground today.
So if you have a question or a concern, I'll even take a comment because there's nobody out there that can tell me I'm wrong about what I say about the tithe because the tithe is not under the law. It didn't begin under the law. It was ratified as a standard and a legislation for God's people under the law. But so was a whole lot of other things like love the Lord your God. Y'all all right with that? You know? I have a question. Where did this whole deviation come from, how we went from paying tithes being a staple to being an option? Hmm. That is a very good question. And it came from the whole New Testament canceled out the Old Testament theology. Because you cannot find, so they said, they claim that you cannot find tithing in the New Testament. But how many of you know that's a lie? Because it's there. Jesus talks about it. He never canceled it. And then Paul has a whole chapter dedicated to tithing in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7. And he talks about tithing from its origins, which is Melchizedek. See, Moses, God used Levi to collect God's tithes until he got a people that would bring all the world into the benefits of the covenant that he made with Israel. Once he did that, then all of the churches of Jesus Christ or everything that Jesus is over as a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, who collected the first tithe for God that's noted in Scripture, then he expects everybody to tithe. And that's number one. Number two, God never separated Old and New Testament. Flesh did that. Humans did that. Now, that's a commandment of men. Humans said, well, that's under the Old Testament because you know what? You, the, the prophets are under the Old Testament. And see, under the New Testament, you got all this encouragement. So you say, you can pick out all of these, cherry pick all of these encouragement verses so that everybody say God's a good God because he, you got these encouragement verses. God's a good God. He was as good with Sodom and Gomorrah as he was with Jesus rising from the dead and the Pentecost come. He's still the same good God. He gets rid of his trash and he celebrates his righteousness. We have a question. Um, someone said the mentor attends a different church. Should they tithe to both? Well, first of all, the mentors cannot be, cannot be equal or either the churches can't be equal. You need to tithe to your church. See, because the tithe goes to the minister that is either handling the house that you're in or it goes to the minister who you want to cover your house. See, a lot of times you tie them with people that don't have a covenant with God. You tie them to people who can't move God. You understand that when you brought the time, when they brought the, the offerings, et cetera, to Peter and, and uh, the 12 apostles, they had power in the, in the God realm to be God in this realm. Like Moses did. They had Moses' power. So you brought the tithe to the temple and brought it to the priest, or, and if they're in lieu of the priest, or if you say mentor, because I'm not sure every mentor should be receiving tithes just on a basis of being a mentor. I'm not, I don't see any precedence for that. Because the mentor, keeping the mentor um, salary is not what tithing is about. Tithing is about there being meat in God's house. That's what tithing is about. I love that question. It's about there being food in God's house, not helping somebody not work or not hold down a job. 
See, I'm got because see that that person needs a tuition. They should charge you a tuition if they want to act as if they are your teacher. But no. Now you know that person would just bless them financially. But not taking anything. Can't take it out of God's house. The tithe belongs to God's house and its priest. Now, we had a thing where you couldn't put a tithe in your house. You had to give your tithe to another house. I don't know why. My paycheck goes in my house. I got lights. I got utilities. I need some stuff scrubbed. I need some, you know. So, it go. He said, "Make sure that there's meat in my house." That word "meat" actually, it, summarily, means provisions. Your mentor may not be in a position to protect you from that devourer. They may not have the prayer life, the stature, the office standing, the rank, the declassification, the whatever. They might not have it. So if you're just tithing to mentors, just on the basis of mentorship, that's error. You should sow to your mentor, and you should sow well. But the tithe, you're still robbing God. See, well, a man, we don't even talk about, but you're robbing God for a mentor. My people will tell you, I tell them, no, 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 take that tithe to the house. Do I not tell you? Take the tithe to the house. Because that's a different treasury existing for different reasons. That is a superb question. Any other? No. Okay, that is a great one. And I know people have said, well, you should tithe to the to who's feeding you. Yeah, but he didn't say tithe to your feeders. He said tithe to my house. See, the priest collects the tithe, but the tithe goes to God's house, his institution. I like that. Wasn't that nice? Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Any other questions for about the tithe? Oh, let's see. What are your thoughts on the belief that you should tithe where you are being fed, which may or may not be where you're attending, I'm guessing? Well, then you shouldn't be attending where you're not being fed. That's like saying I'm going to the, to the um, what do you call it, the feeding um, place because I like the people there, but they the food is not good. You know, you, don't, you shouldn't be there. Anywhere, if it's not worth your, your presence, it's not worth your money. And if it's not worth your money, it's not worth your presence. You, if, you, if you want to tithe because you just want to give money to one of God's institutions, he's fine. He'll take it. But you understand that you cannot divert his money to what you feel because that's a subjective thing. Just because you're not being fed doesn't mean everybody else is. That's subjective. And so God, the tithe is an objective practice. I, I love that question. That was really great. So, Because I'm thinking... See, because I'm not going to give my money to where I'm not being fed. I'm not going to go to and pay a restaurant to feed me bad food. I'm not doing that. Isn't that good? I'm gonna, if I'm going to pay you, it better be good food and good service. So. Okay, you know, why do people think that the tithe is to be used to help out the church congregation? Using the tithe is like a savings and loan. The tithe belongs to the house, and whoever is head of that house is responsible for distributing that tithe, using it as it fits, or allocating it. If we go back to the book of Acts, the first thing those apostles did was begin to allocate the tithe to the well-being of the people in the, in the, in the body of Christ at that time. 
So the tithe, and to be honest with you, the tithe is no more your business than anything else that God has mandated that he has not given you the authority to speak over. You just believe that God shouldn't go broke. If you believe that God shouldn't go broke, he shouldn't, whatever, then that's what you do. If you feel like your tithes are being mishandled in that place, A, get proof, because sometimes proof you know, it's not there, and somebody's just angry because the pastor didn't give them a counseling that morning or the prophecy didn't happen. So the first thing you need to know is that you need proof. You cannot bring an accusation against anybody without proof, hard proof. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, again, if you feel, if, if, if it's in your heart that you should not tithe in a place, then you shouldn't be in that place. But what the tithe, what, what the priest does with the tithe or the funds collected in the church, that's up to God. Now, if they're messy, we got a whole governmental thing. It's, un- it's unfortunate that the government has to regulate that for us because we don't have God's sense of righteousness. But in righteousness, no. I have a question about what you were saying, how it's the leader's responsibility to distribute or to uh, over that. How is that different? from what we've been seeing, which is not a new thing, but it's resurfaced, where the leader says at the time of the offering for people to just come and take out of the place if they're in need. Well, I think that's, a, a, first of all, that's reckless, and it's, re- and it's um, predicated about a human integrity that may or may not exist. Okay. For example, you might say, I need money to make my car note. This person might say, I need money for rent. Which one is most important? And the church, on the other hand, may need funds for something else or need that leader to accumulate funds for God's future blessings or opportunities. So to me, I'm not going to do that. That's never going to happen. And you need to give an accounting because that's a poor accounting on the people who are sowing. That's, that's, that's bad business. Uh, there's nothing even prudent or responsible about that at all. That is a great question. So, no, you process that money the way you should. You make sure that everybody is recorded because clearly tithing or tithes being recorded is real because in Hebrews 7, God knows and Melchizedek collects the tithe. And and, and obviously, if you're going to keep the devourer away, there has to be some sort of registry or accounting of that money because how is God going to know whether the devourer should stay or go? Okay, that's a good lead into this question. Someone from YouTube said, is there a sure way to know if God accepts your tithe? Yeah, if you gave it, this, the tithe is a, it's not an emotional covenant. It's not a sentiment. He didn't even tie it to um, behavior or conduct. He tied it strictly to a mandate. The tithe is a mandate that he gave, and it's a mandate based on one thing, that you give the tithe the way the Lord says to keep the devourer. He didn't say the tithe is going to get you into heaven, take you out of heaven. He didn't say that. He didn't say tithing is going to make you do well with God and not do well with God. He talked about seed. He talked about arms. Arms is a different thing. Now, God has a different sentiment. Now, that is an emotional tithe. He talks about that. He talks about seed time and harvest. He talks about that. So he, God has line items, and we think he doesn't. But he has line items. 
and different line items require different things. Insurance is to keep is to keep the devourer away or expedite your recovery from calamity. Woo. So it's not saying well, it's like insurance. Insurance doesn't prevent. No. Although the tithing covenant about the devourer, but I like how you said that about people bouncing back, mm-hmm. your ability, and I know that's the truth. And favor. Some situations for boys cashing in on tithing. Okay, another question, and I'm going to say this even because we have, and other ministries have online members, mm-hmm. and then they also will go to a local assembly somewhere where they can be fellowshipping with saints. But the question on the table is, can you split your tithe between two houses? I don't know about splitting since tithe means 10, but then you, you're, you're putting yourself in a place of double tithe. So then you would have to do 10 times 2 and not 5 to 5. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because 10 is 10. Tithe equals 10. Uh-huh. Then equal 5. So because you're right. Okay, so you're saying 10 to 8. Uh-huh. How? Right. Not just 10 out of your account, no matter how it goes. But you shouldn't be a member of two churches at once. Uh-huh. See, attendance and membership, two different things. Okay, please address that. Well, if you are a member and you pledge your membership to a church, that's one thing. But let's just say that you, let's say, great example, you're, you have to relocate for a business meeting or um, uh, whatever you call it, a, a job thing. Well, if you shift your membership to that church that you attend simply because you're there, um, then you have to tie to that church because you have to have, again, food in God's house. But if you're going to be a member here and then you're going to attend somewhere else, then you give them offerings. Okay. And, and, and unless you feel like they're worth your time. And there are some people who are big-spirited enough to say, well, this church is, is, is a blessing, and this church is a blessing. I'll buy less this, I'll buy less that, and I'm going to give you a tithe and your tithe. Because there are people who tithe 20% on purpose. They do. 30% on purpose. So they're going to make sure that their policy is good. They got all them riders. You know, 10% is the insurance policy, 20% is the rider, <laughs> and then 30% is the, is the rider. So they got all of those riders. Any more? Uh, so can there be cases where God will tell you to tithe where you're at, but also tithe to your future ministry? And if so, is it 10 and 10, or can you do 5 and 5? Okay, first of all, if you're going to say tithe, you've already locked it at 10. Okay. Because tithe means 10. Okay. So you want to make sure you keep that in mind, because we, we think 5 and 5. No, no, he didn't say whatever the fifth is in Hebrew. i got to figure that out. But the, the word tithe means 10. So that's number one. If you want to tie to your future ministry, that's secondary, and that's on you. And, and then you have to decide where that tithe is going, because if you are tithing to a, another, a secondary ministry, then you either are collecting it and using the tithe yourself, or you're collecting it and saving the tithe for your future ministry. That is fine, but that's, if you're doing either one of those, it's still not coming in God's house. So if you're going to do it, then you're going to tithe 20%. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Great questions. You have another one? Okay. Yes. Question. Well, a person is searching for a church to attend in the meantime, what should they do with their tithe? Where should they go? Well, they can do one of two things. They can uh, 
put the put the tithe in an account and let it accumulate until they land where God wants, or they can find or let God tell them a temporary place to tithe to their credit for the same protection. You, you, you yeah. know what I mean? Because if you put it in a bank, it really isn't in his house. But if you have no house, then you need to protect it, knowing that it's earmarked for the house God eventually sets you in. And it has to be, you need to accumulate it. Like, even people who, like, you know, God has had you out of church for three years or four years, you ought to have thousands in the bank ready to go to where he sends you, or thousands in the bank, and then unless he tells you what else to do, like, where else to go. But God pretty much doesn't violate his own word. So he pretty much doesn't. Now, people do, and people will say he does. But God says, I'm the Lord. I change not. So that is a good, good, good question. So if you don't have a a church home and and God hasn't given you another house, then you need to put it in the bank and treat that bank as the place that's holding your tithes until God sets you where he has ordained you to be. But you ought not to spend the tithe because the tithe is the Lord's. We forget that. It's not, it's not even saying the tithe is what you should give the Lord or the tithe should go to the Lord. It says the tithe is the Lord. I don't care what you make. Every dollar, 10 cents of every dollar is not yours. It's the Lord's. Every dollar. And your kids should know that. You give your kids an allowance, they need to have a piggy bank. Tithe. And then when they get older, then they need to bring that tithe. I love it when I see families come down and the father has the envelope and the children have the envelope and all of them are tithing. And I always like seeing that because that is a family that says we all belong to God. Because, see, your little ones need protection too. They need protection from bullies in school. They need protection from unjust teachers and unfair teachers. They need it too. Okay. Um one of your viewers said, a well-known bishop said that you don't pay, you don't tithe up of your business until you pay everyone and pay all your expenses. She said, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. But that's a businessman. That's not a godman. Because, see, to tithe wasn't talking to people in a church. It was talking to people in a nation. Oh, see, Malachi is to a nation. So that's a governmental thing. And that's a nation under the divine government of God. Now, if you don't pay your tithe, the way God says, if you want to tithe off your business, and you should, then you can either do one or two things. You can decide that your business is not going to tithe, and you can just you tithe. Mm-hmm. You can do that. If you're going to pay your tithe and have your whole business tithe, which is what I would do and I do, um, if you're going to do that, then what you have to do is make sure that how, no matter how you look at it, you pay your people. Because, see, the same God that said pay your tithe said do not withhold your people's, your workers' paycheck. Well, this is good. It's the same God. So you need to always say, if I'm going to pay tithes as a business person, and, and, and whoever that business person is, they ain't care about God anyhow. Because, see, the tithe is about meeting God's house. So I'm going to keep saying that. It's not about meeting your house. It's not about me in the bank house. It's about me and God's kind. So that businessman, that business person could care less about God. That's a humanist way of thinking. And there's a lot of humanist theology out there. So if you're going to pay tithes, and you should, then you better make sure that that tithe, that if anybody suffers a paycheck, that it's you and not your workers. 
but should that tithe come off of the top before people or after? Bring, he said, all your increase. Okay. All your increase. So let's say I have, I, I'm going to pay tithes. Besides the fact you, if you're only going to suffer two or three times, if you suffer at all, it'll only be two or three times before God creates his own tithe because he does it. Or he'll create paychecks because he does it. All of a sudden, you get accounts out of nowhere because God wants to let you. He has to honor his word, and he has to, that word can't be just honored and you getting a few, uh, having a regular business. It's got to be honored in abundance because he said the more meat you put in God's house, the more, more of the equivalent value, if you will, is available to you. And it's not just dollars. Like he said, the widow with the two mice, that's all she had. She tithed 100%. She gave not only 100%, but she gave her last. So if you're a business person and you say, I want to tithe, you should tithe. I don't care what a devil says because ain't nobody going to tell you to rob God but a devil. Because everybody, anybody who loves God is going to think God is first. They're going to treat him as a priority. So they're going to hit that alpha, that first, that beginning, and not just the end. Because otherwise you'll end up tithing off the leftovers. Now, I know that they say, because I've heard about that, yeah, but that's making the people tithe. No, no, that's not making the people, that's not making your workers tithe. And I'll tell you why. It's kind of like the parable in the vineyard. They agree to a certain amount. Yes. So as long as they get what they, they, then I don't know where it came from. Those people who work for your business agree to a salary, a certain amount. You yourself agree to a salary, a certain amount. But the business generated increase. And your obligation to those workers is to pay them. You cannot go to a worker and say, you know what, I wish I could pay you, but I paid my time. And if you manage your money well enough, there won't be a problem. And if not, if you if, look at this. It said, and I will not let the devourer come to you. So what does that mean? That means God's going to push back on all your shortage and all your shortfall. And he's going to push back the devil that's causing it. And he will send that money. You have to believe him, but you must pay your workers. Because the same God that said time said also, do not tell your workers to go and come back tomorrow when it is in your hand to pay them. Okay. Did you have a question? I just had a testimony about this protection. I mean, it's real. It's okay, let's get this question. I want to hear yeah. it. And then what if you get this stuff to Okay, from YouTube. Okay, well, you already addressed that tithing is not under the law. It predates the law. It predates the law. There's no need to reiterate that. If you miss it, you can go back and watch it. Okay, but it says they have, at that time, only the priest collected the tithe. Mm -hmm. How does that pull forward now since we don't have priests like that? We do have priests. We're all priests under the order of Melchizedek. But as far as so the priest, rights in the church to collect the tithe. Whoever the, the, either the person who founded the church or whomever the church assigns. Okay. Well, so, I mean. This is how they did it anyway. It wasn't a law. It wasn't. A, this is a nation. We keep saying we are the nation of Jesus Christ according to the order of Melchizedek. We are a nation, citizens of a nation. And we keep trying to bring this down to simple congregations. So if we're a nation, then we have municipalities, we have counties, we have territory, or the equivalent thereof that we can, we can apply to churches. But 
we are a nation, and so whoever is God calls the chief of that organization, the leader, if it's the pastor, if it's the bishop, or if it's the bishop who assigns the pastor, and the pastor collects it and brings it, gives it to a bishop, however way they do that, it's whoever's in charge of that particular body. I just wanted to share that um, absolutely one, um, this teaching is just so powerful because I think most people don't understand the power of God. You know, mm-hmm. when he says something, as you were explaining, no, you can't split it in half. It's, it's not five and five, it's ten. He's just definitive like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, my whole thing is this. When you keep saying, but it's protection, uh, I don't know how many times since I made up my mind to come under you, Dr. Price, the enemy has tried to attack my home, my business. I mean, Apostle Ashley knows the different things, but I tell you, he can't take me out. Mm-mm. No, no. <laughs> He tries, but he cannot take me out, and provision is always made. Mm-hmm. I mean, even from moving from one position into a promotion, I was let go all of a sudden in the middle of a promotion, Yes, they couldn't let me go. Still had to pay me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, I'll sit home and collect. Right. And so, God, you know, I just wanted to encourage people to really take this word seriously and do the research. I mean, every week you come on and you teach, do the research and know for yourself and try it for yourself and see if it works because it does. It does work. But but it, it doesn't even work. You know, I'm, I'm the messenger. I'm the official See, because a lot of pastors and leaders and bishops act like they're not officials of the kingdom of God. They're just officials of the church. See, a church official cannot negate or abolish what God has appointed heaven's kingdom officials. And so we have this wrestle here, this tussle between, well, this is what the church says. But Israel was not a church. It was a nation. The, The church, before we had congregations, we were a nation the nation of Jesus Christ. And so then we began to birth population centers for people who were entering this God's nation so that they could gather and they could build and take land and territory. So we have to see this thing differently. I don't care what a pastor says. Nobody can do away with the fact that Abraham tied to Melchizedek, an eternal being, and Paul says that eternal being is still collecting the tithe. Those two realities are there, and they're there in Scripture. So either we ignore all of the things or we ignore none of the things. The things that are ritualistic, God tells you they're ritualistic. You will know he will be the final lamb, so you don't have to go slaughtering animals and carrying on. His blood will cover all the sin, make atonement for all human sin. So we don't need to shed blood, okay? Well, his, um, his, the offerings for him, first fruit offerings and all of that, hey, listen, you want to do that, that's fine. But you know, you, in God's mind, first fruit is every fruit. We want to come once a year. Every week is first fruit offering. You get you get you get a new paycheck. That's first fruit. Okay, the first fruits of all thine increase, says Proverbs three. So we can talk about that, and we can have all of this stuff. Come on in here, prophet. We can have all of this stuff, and and all of this stuff. But these are leaders who want to keep people happy, want to keep the wealthy content, want to keep the poor receiving, want to keep the seats. All of those are ulterior motivations. We need to look into God's ulterior motivation, which is that there is meat in my house. I don't want to be a broke God. 
and yet Satan has all his theology to make him a broke God. Jesus, God gave Jesus all the earth, the entire earth, and all of its fullness is his inheritance. So that's how you're robbing it. So this, I don't care what they said. You have to ask, where's the robbery piece? The robbery piece is diverting the tithe, which is not a human. The tithe belongs to no human. That's so bad. Are you ready? Because you know she's coming on. <laughs> I'm ready. So good. Uh, you said so many powerful things today. I like how you talked about the fact that tithe is war tech. Yes. So that was really powerful. I wondered if you wanted to um, just accentuate that just a little bit because you've talked about the fact that it's protection, it's a covering. What do you mean by the war tax? Well, I'm going to answer that, but I do want to tell you that Apostle um, Ashley, um, Prophet Tax said to me that she found the tithe is internal. She has it on the CD. Yes, it's a part of the money is a spirit. Okay. Yeah, it's not available on the bookstore now. So you need to go and get that teaching. The tithe is internal. War tax. In the, in the uh, Old Testament, if you will, um, the early days of, of Israel's life and people is God gave you victory. The first tithe was paid to God because God gave Abraham victory over the five kings. Yeah. And so to show his gratitude, which is what you're supposed to do when your divine power or your, your deity or supreme one or whatever, supreme sovereign, brought your victory, then he established a, a fact that says, I'm grateful. I'm going to give you a tithe of the spoils because the, you, I wouldn't have had these spoils if it wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. So there are some of you all, you want God to cover your business. Well, that's what you have to do. You're, some of you all, you want to be hidden from the next layoff. That's something you have to do. Some of you all, you want to be passed over when the crime wave hits your city or hits your, uh, your uh, neighborhood. See, those are all war tax. Yeah. And, and so remember, the tithe is an advanced payment on a coming calamity, and it's going to happen. I mean, because time and chance happens to us all. So, so it, God, rather than say more whatever, He's saying, "Give me a reason to push back on the darkness that has a right to your property and a right to your possessions and your safety, simply because He's a God of this world." So you have to appeal to a higher God, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in appealing to that higher God, you can do so incidentally, but then God, if that's the case, then you won't be tithing, you'll be rewarded. So if you pay, if you give my God money after the fact, then it's not a tithe, it's a reward. You're rewarding him for stepping in. Oh, Okay. Well, no, I just love that you're talking about this. I, there's been so many teachings lately, especially on social media, about how the tithe is a bondage and uh, the preachers that are preaching that are, of course, money grubbers, the whole thing. And I loved how you talked about the fact that it's not about the money because that's the biggest thing that you're hearing now. God doesn't need your money. Um, you know, uh, why would God need your money? Why would God not spare you because of money? All these different things. And I like how you talked about today. You said it's not about the money but about you parting with something that you love without an immediate return. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really powerful to kind of expose that teaching a little bit because that's what's being taught. That's what's being proliferated. That but, you know, if the tithe didn't begin with Abraham and if the tithe just began 
at the Pentecost, all of those arguments could have some merit. But that's not what happened. The tithe began with Abraham, who paid it to an eternal being, Melchizedek, who represented heaven to earth and protected God's covenant mark and gave him the victory with 300 servants, not solid soldiers, 300 household servants. That's number one. Number two, God, if God is not in all the earth, then why are we talking? God doesn't need your money? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, are we still using that stupid argument? Because it is stupid. And somebody needs to call it <clears throat> what it is. <clears throat> God needs currency. Because, and if tithing is a bondage, so is prayer. Whoop. So is worship. Come on. So is your, your needs. You're putting, holding God hostage to your needs. Wow. That's bondage. Because you're enslaving him. Because wow. you're, you're, you're making God your bond servant. But if, if, if tithing's a bondage, then so is everything else Christianity. It's a bondage. Ooh. Because before all of those things were done, the tithe was paid. That's good. Oh, that's good. And we're just stupid anyway. Because, <laughs> I mean, I think that the tithing structure is probably the smartest business deal you can think of that the Lord could set up. Mm-hmm. Instead of charging us, itemizing Every time we come into service. Like when your car breaks down? Right. Because somewhere, bills have to be paid with money. Right. Churches have to be maintained with money. I mean, the staff, if they're not going out to get a check somewhere else, their life has to be, you know, sustained with money. Yeah. Yeah. And so, can you imagine, you can't go anywhere else and have a transaction, because we don't think of that as a transaction. Mm -hmm without being paid line item upon line item. So it's like, okay, you come in house, praise and worship, or we have to charge you for praise and worship. Okay, we have to charge you to hear the word. Okay, we have to pray. There's prayer, there's children's ministry, parking there's youth ministry, there's parking in the lot, there's yeah. using parking, yeah. and in the bathroom, because we know the saints go to the bathroom 25 times, especially if they don't want to hear the message. Mm-hmm. All right? So <laughs> that convenient, pesky bladder. Mm-hmm. And so you have all of those things going on, yeah. And it costs to do that. Absolutely. I mean, we can talk about the bathroom, the toilet paper. And we don't ministry out. And that's what I was going to say. That yep. don't have. Look, see, this is what I'm talking about. The church is always behind yep. the web. They don't have technology. They don't have screens the way we. But you push it against the time. That, you know, mm-hmm. we, we say melodies from heaven rain down on me. All right? <laughs> but that was like a song. Awesome. That's not a reality that things just come down. Yeah, right. that, that flat screen just comes down at a Best Buy cloud. It just boom, <laughs> right there on the wall. And then this new carpeting, the company just gives it up. Somebody says, you know what, the Lord told me to invest half a million dollars with the carpeting in your ministry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me a break. So we, and then we're going to dog the church out for being behind yes. and having less than and taking forever for this. And we don't have the landscaping in the front, and we don't have the signage the way that the, of no, course, the, way that the movie theater does. The way the movie theater does. It charges you now $22 a ticket. And you're glad, glad, and you glad to pay. Let me say this, because I'm going to get this point across. Two things God is saying right now. He said, either I dwell in flesh through you or I don't. Come on. And if I dwell in flesh in you, then I live according to the protocols and the rules of your land. 
Come on. So Jesus in you needs money. Jesus in your church needs money. Thank you. Jesus in your preacher needs money because the church is God. And if this is God's church, then his law is if we sow spiritual, you owe us material. Yeah, so stop giving your money to Beyonce. Because you're giving your money to devils, you're giving your money to clothes, you're giving your money to clubs, you're giving your money to hell. Hell gets your money without request. All the time. All the time. You race to give your money to hell. You can't help giving the giving the world your money. You can't help it. You race to. You're proud of overpaying for this and overpaying for that. You're proud of that. To give it to all the gods of this world, and you won't give your money to the God of God and the God that saved your soul. Shame on you. That's an ungrateful spirit. Every God in the planet gets your money but the God of God. Wow. And I don't care about you, little, y'all up on, but I ain't giving my money to no preacher. You give your money to whores. You give your money to hell. You give your money to thieves. You give your money to garbage. You give your money to booze. You give your money to drugs. You give your money to sin. You give your money to anything. So don't talk to me about your money being too good for a preacher. Your money is not too good for a preacher. Come on. Along the way, all everybody under the sun got your money but Jesus Christ, who's in that preacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, I know preachers that sin. And you know, what do you think a whore does? What do you think a bartender does? <laughs> what do you think a thief does? Hello. You pay for sin all your day. You can't help but pay for sin. Love paying for sin. Tell Ooh. me about not giving your money to a preacher. On, you give your money to all kinds of uncleanness all the time. Happily. Mm-hmm. Happily. You buy fake jewelry? <laughs> I don't know I do. Come on. <laughs> Talking about how good God is because you got this stuff from the world. God is good because he did not kill you for giving his money to somebody else. You better say you're good because there's a right to because you're robbing him. <laughs> don't ever tell me about I ain't giving no money to the preacher because I'm going to run down to the list of all the devils you do give your money to. Oh, you're waiting to church. Come on, okay. you're waiting to church. <laughs> the car you drive. With some devil symbols. Baby, yeah. no. See, the, it's time for Christians to stop saying, yeah, well, I, I am not a yeah well, yeah, well apostle. I'm going to tell you right now. So don't tell me that your money is not too good for a preacher. Ooh. Not when, it's, it, when it's, it's dirty enough for everybody else. My God. That's probably about the cleanest thing you do with your money. Laundry. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> Lord Jesus. I hope y'all still love me because I need all of <laughs> If you still love me. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's time. <laughs> We're going to take an offering on that word. Um, so there's a couple ways that you can give. Rachel's going to put those ways on the screen, and I'm going to tell you now. If you are a PayPal user, you can give paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price. If you're a Cash App user, her handle there is Dr. Paula Price. No spaces, of course. And then for text to give, 918 Seven, eight. These are the ways that you can give an offering today. You know this word was good. You know you need to throw. You need. You know you need to sow into this word. 
today. All right, so Rachel's going to put that on the screen for you guys. So clean your money. Give something to a preacher. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> See, Sunday, 